Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Darren, the producer of Perpetual Traffic, and we have a special episode lined up for you today with Brendan Bouchard and Jay Shetty, two of the world's top experts on influencer marketing. In fact, Jay has the most watched video on Facebook ever and has had 3 billion video views across all platforms. So in the show today, Jay and Brendan are going to detail the whole process of creating shareable viral content. And Molly and Ralph will be back next week as usual. But without further ado, here is Brendan and Jay. I'm Brendan Burchard, and this is the legendary Jay Shetty. Thank you, Brendan. We have the opportunity to talk today about how he approaches virality. Virality? That's a hard Virality. Virality. That's so good. He's talking about what are his secrets to making some of the most successful viral videos in history online, including right now, world champ of the most viewed video on Facebook ever. So how does he do it? How does he think through the content? What are some tactics you can use in your own thing? Because that, that's the challenge, right? So that's why we're here. Hopefully get some insights, take some notes, because he's so wise at this. So to frame our conversation, you've noticed that there's five things that make things go viral for video. And I want you all to write this down right off the bat. What are those five things you've learned from both the research and your experience that makes it go? The number one thing is adventure, right? Making people feel adventure. The second is comedy and humor. The third is emotion, which I most closely link to the news, but emotion like love, passion, and also negativity, which you don't want to do. The fourth one is inspiration. And the fifth one is surprise, where I put the cats, dogs, and babies. Right? Those are the five key themes that go viral because they're more shareable, because they make you feel something, not because they make you think something. How do you strategize that? So you say, I, I want to make a video on this topic. Like, walk us through that thinking process to make it actually complete. 
Absolutely. The first question I'd ask yourself, and I want you to ask this right now as well, is where is the pain point of the audience that are going to benefit from this? Mm. So I was just saying to Brendan right now that all my videos are based on real life conversations. So whenever you see me in a video guiding a couple, it's because literally I've just paired two stories together. So one video that I made last year, was, which was called, it was called Before You Lose Someone, Watch This. And it was about a lady who has Alzheimer's and her son never picks up her calls, right? And that was a super brutal, honest story about me not picking up my mom's calls, but my mom does not have Alzheimer's, thankfully, but about my friend's mom who does have Alzheimer's and now she can't get her mom back to remember who she is. And so that video is me putting my flaw into a video matched with a challenge that my real friend has, mm. right? And so for me, every story has to touch on something that's really happening. So whether you're doing adventure, whether you're doing comedy, we all laugh at or cry at things that are real, right? We don't laugh and cry at things that are fake. We laugh and cry at things that are real. And so for me, it's always starting at that point, mm. right? That's the starting point of any video. Figure out where's the hurt, where's the pain, what's the real challenge? Don't make up or dream a challenge in your mind. Yeah, go into your own life and ask what's relevant here, what's... What am I feeling? What am I experiencing? Because here's the deal. If content is always just something you're strategizing just to get the views and the likes, you won't be motivated on a Monday morning to go do it anymore. Yes. But when it's coming from your life and you're trying to reflect to people the wisdom or the experiences you're having, you will be connected to it as a mission now, not just as content. Yep. I've always found that to be so true. Absolutely. If you're not personally connected to it, a, it won't go viral, but B, you will start feeling like a content factory. Yes. And how many of you ever lost your motivation creating another piece of content? Yeah, because you were thinking of the content and the outcome you wanted from the content versus your connection and the why of creating the content. So I know a lot of you struggle with that motivation of, oh my gosh, another video, another podcast, another thing. Go back into your life again. Revisit what you're learning and share that. It will be more authentic to you and you'll enjoy it more. And I'm learning a lot from watching Jay with that too. Yeah, no, and, and that's a great point because every time, how many of you sit there sometimes and go to yourselves, I don't know what I'm gonna make my next video on, right? And I get asked that question all the time. Like, Jay, when are you gonna run out of ideas? And I'm like, I can't run out of ideas because I'm always speaking to someone who has a challenge, right? So there's no way of running out of an idea because everything's based on reality. And then you've got every conversation is informing your content. Right? Content is based on conversations. Content's not based on a random brainstorming session you have with yourself. So that way I can do anything and that will inform my content. I love that way of learning. Yeah, I think something that's really important about Jay too, and I'm just getting to know him better though, is that outside the tactics, the framework, here's the thing that we do. He's a very socially aware guy. And what I mean by that is his presence in a conversation is real. I really believe the magic that you're gonna find in your next sales video, in your next viral video, is going to come from you noticing the, the feeling and the essence of your conversations with others more. Like get more mindful and socially aware. What's happening? What are they really saying? Be more present with your spouse. And you go, oh, I didn't know, that's a theme for her? I didn't know that was a thing. And that I didn't know that was a struggle becomes a great, topic as he shared with me earlier that was one of the ones he's like oh wow I didn't know so many people were dealing with loneliness let me explore this conversation deeper in the content yeah I love yeah. that when you created that what 
really launched a million memes that before you do this, watch this. And you guys should all write that formula down, right? Before you do this, watch this. Or when this is gonna happen, do that. Those types of formulaic things really work across things. But you've probably seen a lot of people try it and it bombed. <laughs> Tell us about like when it bombs, but don't mention any of my videos. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna mention any of your videos. So I'm always experimenting with content. So like I said up, up above, content works in formats. A format is something that's repeatable, right? A format is something that you can do again and you can add another feeling to it, another meaning to it, another point to it, another theme to it. So for me, I'm always testing formats and I'm always testing titles that connect with people. For me, the method of before you break up, that was the first one that I did that way. It's called before you break up, watch this. And that was the first time that that title was tested and that was the first time that title went viral. And what I realized is that as humans, we need someone to show us why something is relevant specifically. Right? How many times have you heard someone say something amazing, but it didn't really relate to you? Right? Yeah, anyone had that? Well, you hear something, you're like, wow, that's, that's far out, but I'm not in that space right now. It's like you're at a conference and the speaker's speaking about parenting and you're not a parent yet, right? So with whatever you're doing, whichever area you're creating content in, you've got to make sure that it's highly, highly specific and relevant to a particular need, to a particular pain point. And so for me, the before you get married, watch this, I know that that's now appealing to anyone who's married <laughs> as well as those who are not married because everyone's intrigued by that point. So it's giving a very specific landmark in your life that's allowing you to do it. So for example, before you start a business, right, is a perfect way of benchmarking and bookmarking a video or a piece of content. Yeah, and all those little signature phrases, you guys know this as marketers, right? When you do this, if you do this, have you felt that? Those types of phrases always draw people in. You know, have you ever felt lonely? Have you ever, that conversation point, as many of you guys know, if I watch your sales video and in the first five minutes, you haven't hit me with a few have you ever, I know your conversion is going to be less because you're speaking above their head, you're not diving into their experience. Don't try to be so like logical and linear and instead say, am I speaking to my audience's experience explicitly? Because if I can't, if I print out your sales video and I transcribe it and I go through it paragraph by paragraph, if I can't like underline a few lines and say, this is very specific to my experience, that's why your conversions are hurting so much, right? Because you can have all the flash and all the music and all the B-roll in the world, but without that deep specific connection to the right person, that's what's probably gonna hurt your sales videos. Uh, I would love to ask, was there, so he's had 3 billion plus views in 18 months. Was there a point where you're like, I know how this is happening. Was, was it always strategic and you knew, or you were like, oh my gosh, I get it now that the aha hits you. That's a really good question. Uh, I think when I started, it wasn't as strategic. It was strategic, but it was unconscious competence versus conscious competence, right? And I think it's really important that we cross that line. How many times are you doing something, you're doing it right, but you don't know you're doing it, right? And then as soon as you figure out why you're doing it right, you can then do it again and again 
and again, and again. And I think that that's the beauty of tapping into what we are doing right. And partly that comes with speaking to people, sitting down with mentors, coaches, guides, people who you can ask like, what did I do right after that speech? What was right about that video? As much as asking what was wrong. And our feedback loop in our head says, always ask what's wrong, but that's only half the story. You have to know why you're doing something right as well, because then you can repeat it. So for me, when I started making content and I started to consistently see the same amount of virality, the same amount of engagement, I started to reflect and say, why is this happening? What is it about this content and this style of content that's working, winning, and connecting with people? And then I started bridging over to making it conscious, making it really intentional, making it strategic. And that's when everything goes wrong too, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> right. You, you like go through that whole learning curve. You think you've mastered it now and then the next video completely slams and you're like, oh, okay, I don't know that much. And that's cool. <laughs> that's great feedback too. And again, it reminds you to be conscious and intentional. Like, and that's the beautiful thing, right? For me, it's both. It's insight and intuition. Right? It's data and dynamic. Anyone who tells you it's either or is, is old or wrong. Right? They're either backdated or wrong. Someone who tells you it's just day to day to day to day to like the data showing you this title works, that's not enough. If you don't intuitively feel that that's what your people and your community would resonate with, then it's probably not right. Mm. And so always look for that balance between the two. And that's what I started to do is that in the beginning, I was totally intuition. And at one point I tried to do totally insight, i.e. data. And then I had to realize it was actually between the both. Love it was that. the intuition and the insight. And your intuitive is only as high as your conversations, your connections, meeting people, and your insights only as high as you're like analyzing, watching the data, looking at the stats, and not just yours, looking at what other people are doing, even in other industries. So I'll give an example. A lot of my friends are some of the biggest comedic influencers on Instagram and YouTube. They do tons of sketches. And I saw the success of actors in their videos, but that had never been done for motivation, self-development or personal growth. So I looked at that cross industry learning, tried to see if that would work in our space. And it did, it, it took off great. It's become one of the biggest like trademarks and landmarks of the style of videos I make. So it's so important to even learn, like you may be like, oh, well that cat video has got nothing to teach me about virality. Actually, it's got a lot to teach you about it if they've done it consistently. So that's when I started to look through, and that was mainly middle of last year, mm. when I really went all in on Facebook. That's when I really started to look more strategically around captions, titles, and, and themes. A lot of advanced marketers who, are, who hit me in advance, knowing I was gonna interview, like, text me like detailed questions, we're gonna do a little speed round. Because uh, I know you guys are asking this, are gonna ask it, so they're not as important questions as you think, but I know everyone's gonna ask them. So speed round, length of videos. Three to five minutes on Facebook, five to seven minutes on YouTube, obviously one minute on Instagram. Headline and caption with transcript? Just transcript only. Headline and caption, no transcript. When Headline, you say transcript, what do you mean? Yeah, like the caption, full transcript. Tra oh yeah, yeah, full captions, yeah, yeah, yeah. Always on Facebook, you can never upload a video without captions. And Instagram, I highly recommend them as well. YouTube, you don't need them. Percentage of B-roll in a video? Oh, that's a great question. I'd say percentage of B-roll is probably around 75%. And B-roll that is curated, selected, and ideally filmed by your team wins every time. So avoiding using the stock footage apps and tech and all that kind of stuff, like 
actually filming it. Even if it's in your office and you just filmed your assistant or team member on their laptop, that's gonna do much better than taking a screenshot of, I mean, taking a shot of something else that everyone's got in their video, right? But yeah, you're looking at 50 to 75%. Love that. Unless you're stunning, right? Like, <laughs> unless you're like really, really good looking. We just don't have that problem. I'm joking, I'm messing around. But yeah, uh, 50 to 75%. Volume of background music percentage-wise. Ooh, I like that. Uh, so for me, it's 60% right? 60%. So you want the music just over enough because you got to remember a lot of people are just reading the captions, right? Supposedly 80% of traffic is reading the captions. I find on my videos, it's a bit lower. Most people are listening because of the music, because of voice, etc. So my recommendation is have the music just over that 50% mark. You want to be able to hear it solid. Average pay for an actor in one of your videos? $100 for around three hours. $100 for three hours. How many of you have never thought about having an actor or performers in your videos to help you communicate your message? Remember, these are some of the most watched videos of all time and everyone thinks it's just him. And I'm always like, actually, Jay's not in some of those videos as much as you would think. It's all that B-roll that gives the emotion and the magic and also the pacing. So that's another question. How fast those scene changes happening? Absolutely, so within nine seconds, you should have three scene changes. So each scene shouldn't really last on screen for longer than three seconds. Ideally, that three to five seconds you can play with. So sometimes you're just on a shot for way too long. And remember, it can be the same shot from three different angles. So you can be the same person moving, but from three different angles and have that three seconds each. So it doesn't mean three separate things. So good, ideal time. I think another one that people would ask is like, okay, with, with that scene changes and everything happening so fast in the first part of the video, this might be a little harder. Like if three emotions really seem to hit in making something viral in that first two minutes, what might those emotions be? I think the first one is bringing people into a scenario they recognize, right? And you do this in a presentation too. If, if you start a presentation with the question of how many of you have, if that situation you're picking out is relevant, people are in, right? And so similarly with your video, are you drawing a picture? Are you talking about something that the majority of your audience or your community that you wanna to connect to can relate to, can recognize? And so that emotion really is recognition and acknowledgement that you are connected with them. So for me, it's that. Is it relevant to that person? Is it recognizable? Is the situation something that your audience has experienced? Whether you're speaking about it or displaying it on screen. Mm -hmm. So if you have someone who's tired at work at the end of a day, everyone can relate to that, right? If you look at someone who's like meditating on top of a mountain, most people are like, no way. And you look at most- Says the monk. Right? <laughs> and you look at most self-development videos, you'll see like, people doing yoga, like in the sun, on the beach. And I'm like, no one ever gets, like rarely does anyone actually get the time to do that. It's totally non-relevant. People see them like, wow, that's, I wish I had that, but it's not relevant to me right now as a pain point. So relevant imagery, relevant language, relevant words. That's the first emotion you want people to experience. Cool. How strategic are you in your upload date and time? Everyone says, what, what time, Brendan, what time? Just ask him, when do I upload it? What time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, massive. And so this I count as secondary information because I know people who post at the perfect time, post the perfect, you know, post at the perfect time in the post, in the perfect region, in the country and whatever it is, and the content doesn't work. So content is king, right? And always, content is king and queen. It's always at the top. You can't make bad content go viral. 
It's just not possible. You can spend a lot of money on it. And I've seen clients do that where my clients have literally said to me, Jay, your service, you know, is too, too elite, uh, it's too expensive for us, it's too premium. We're gonna go do it ourselves. And you see that struggle because you can't just put loads of money behind a bad ad or a bad video and expect it to go viral. So the question back to is... Uh, strategic upload strategic time upload or date. Yes, so same day every week, same time every week. For me, my audience is international. So my audience is 30% US, 30% Asia, 25% Europe, 5% Africa, 5% Australia, and 5% South America. So I have to hit the whole world. So I post up at 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. LA time, which is where I live now. So my posts go up 6 or 7 a.m. LA, which is 9 or 10 a.m. New York, which kinds of hit around the 5 p.m. in London, which hits around 10.30 in India, which is one of my biggest markets. So it, it kind of covers everyone at a time frame, So I would really look at the research of where is your audience and you wanna try them, get them on their way to work at their lunchtime or after they're back from work. Those are the high points that you wanna hit. So for me, I go for that just before work and then that hits everyone at lunchtime or after work. You wanna make sure it's the same day every week or the same days every week, right? So I post three times a week on Facebook. It's at the same time every single day. I post every day on Instagram. It's the same time every single day. I post the same time on YouTube every single week on the same day. You have to get into that relationship with the algorithm, right? You've got to make the algorithm trust you. If you don't show up, right? It's like not showing up for a date, right? You set a date, people build this expectation in their head that you're going to come back at the same time and then you don't. The algorithm gets let down and so does the audience, right? So that's huge. Love that. Sorry, it's not very quick fire, but I need no, to get into it. No, this is really good. We teach this concept of circular virality, which is the stuff you do after you post something mm -hmm. to make it go bigger. Yes. And the places you put it, the, the conversations you have, the partners, the distribution, like all the things, like once it's up, what are some of those things that you do once it's actually up? One of my first things that I do, and I do it personally, is I reply to comments. So I go into the comment section on a video I've uploaded, and I look at the most common comments, and I pick out all the good ones, and I reply to every positive comment. I ignore every negative comment. I don't like it or reply to it or delete it or hide it. I leave it there and then I respond to every single positive comment that I've seen because I wanna reinforce to the people that are getting something out of my content that I'm there and it's real. So that's still me. It's not outsourced, it's totally me. So if you ever get a message back from me on Instagram or Facebook, it's me. And so that's the first thing I do. The second thing I do is that we time to make sure that a video is shared multiple times in the same day. So on Facebook example, I'll share it once and I'll share it again after 24 hours. Because even when you're uploading it for the first time, not everyone in your audience is seeing it. So I wanna make sure that all of my audience sees it. You don't wanna post it more than three times in 24 hours, but you don't wanna post it less than twice. So most people are just posting it once. Again, a seven day cycle, seven days time, you can post it again, right? So then you'll see reshares. And the only reason you're doing the reshares is so that more of your audience sees it. Because the initial upload isn't allowing your 1 million, 2 million, 10 million, or 20 million people, or 100,000 people to see it at the first time. So multiple shares. And the other one is when I'm launching something, I'm driving all this Instagram content there. The swipe ups are going to that video, right? My live is pushing it to that video. That's one thing I massively recommend to you. When you upload a new video, go live on your page and link back to that video. It works massively. It's a really good one. It's like really good technique. Great tip, great yeah. tip. I think one of the most important things you all can figure out in making something like create that circular nature where it just keeps growing and growing and growing is on top of the multiple posts, post across multiple platforms and yes. talk it about it. Be in conversation on all your platforms about the thing. So if you've got a podcast, talk about the video you just posted on, on uh, Facebook and why. 
you post something on YouTube, go on LinkedIn and explain yes. what they're going to learn on that video. It's like we're not using all the platforms to talk about the thing. And the more you use the other platforms to talk about the thing on an ongoing nature, that's how it goes big. Some of you saw us, uh, both of us, launch a, a podcast in this last you know, couple of weeks. And I launched mine on, I don't know, sometimes last week. And people are like, how do you chart every time? So I, I personally had four of my podcasts hit number one in my category and top 10 across all categories. And what they don't see, they're, they're reading my email or they're looking at the Facebook thing. They don't see how I'm in conversation about that launch or that promotion everywhere. Like I'll go live and talk about the episode came out. I'll be on Facebook and post the thing came out. You want everywhere to be talking about it that you have a platform or audience and any of your influencer friends or best, your most engaged audience, ask them to do something with it. Email marketers, I know you're all in this room. Open up that system, find the most engaged clicks over the last 60 days and say, hey, you're the best audience I have. I want you to know you're in my most engaged list. So I want to do something for you, but also ask for your help. I'm going to be releasing a video or a podcast or a thing tomorrow. Could you do me a favor? I want you to see it first. Here's what time it's going to go up. Could you share it for me and tell you what? You make sure you comment on it first because I'm going to pick the first 50 people who comment on it tomorrow and I'm going to send them a free hoodie, right? Something silly. It doesn't matter. They're just like, oh, thank you for recognizing that we're of the engaged audience you have. It's just like many of you know, the easiest like next purchase you get is from your buyers. The easiest next share you get is from your current engaged lists. Yeah your current engaged audience. Same thing with, D I mean, you can take this as far as you want in your DMs, right? If, if you're gonna launch something and it's important, go into your DMs, everybody who's DM'd you, have you or your assistant sit there, which is what I did on my Wednesday night last week. I went into my DMs and I hit maybe 200 people who'd ever DM'd me. And I just said, hey, this is coming out. Thank you for your support. You've been awesome. Thanks for DMing me. <laughs> Because those people already follow you. They're your most loyal fans. You must activate your more engaged audiences way more often. Yep. Not when you do the launch once or twice a year. I mean, like on a monthly and a quarterly basis, you and your team should have a strategy. How do we activate the engaged people? You guys can do this, yes? That's everything. That's the game changer. I want to I reinforce that with one thing. Before I, when I made my first ever video, I didn't have any followers on any platform. So I was starting from zero, starting from scratch. And I didn't even know that this whole world existed when I started. So I, I didn't know anyone with an email list. And so what I did was I literally got a WhatsApp group together and I had 25 people in it that I used to coach in mindfulness and well-being and all the work that I did as a monk. I put 25 people in there and I asked them to share my video. And every week when a video went out, I just had 25 people sharing my video. These were 25 people that I'd invested in, that I'd coached, that I'd mentored, that I'd known for a long period of time. And I'm sure many of you have probably more than 25 friends, right? 25 people who like you, maybe more. Imagine you just asked 25, 50, 100 of your friends to just share what you did, right? Share what you made. That's exactly how I started. So in the beginning, that's all I had. I had 25 people who shared everything I did. And, and that's where everything began. I think it's really important. Your training, and I have this guilt as well, my, my training in this space is a very push model. You have to learn to ask more. 
You've got to learn to ask the audience to engage, ask the audience to help. You're used to like, you're trying to convince them, trying to push them to do something. But if you went live every day on Instagram at the same time, you said, hey guys, here's what we're doing. If you can help share the word, here's some value, teach some things and get them enrolled in the process of making your brand grow, then you have somebody like Rachel and Dave Hollis. And that ability to ask and enroll is so different than push. And you need both, but be conscious of the, like the consistency that you're doing that. Um, I know these guys are gonna wanna know, Jay, like, what do you do with all the traffic? Like, how do you, you know, in their language, like, how do you monetize this? What, what, what happens with all this? How do you turn it into a business? Absolutely. So first thing is getting the traffic. And then, and then once you have the traffic, all of you probably know a million different ways to do it. I've been very specific and strategic in the ways that I've done it. Uh, one of my biggest things is I have my online coaching group, my inner circle. We have thousands of members now from all over 140 countries that are engaged. And that includes what I do in there is a bi-weekly coaching live. So we have a coaching curriculum. I'm live every two weeks. There's worksheets, there's real growth, there's real transformation. It's all mindset based. And we've literally built a global community of people who are growing together. The best thing about that is not only do we have the online community, we've turned it into offline meetups. So now there are meetups in every city with anyone who's on my monthly subscription coaching program that are meeting up without me being physically present. So we have meetups all over the world every single week. I can literally go down my Facebook events list and I'll see where all of them are happening and next year I'm gonna surprise them by showing up in them. And the best thing for me that has done is that it's allowed me to serve a global audience, which I have, at a very minimal cost at a monthly subscription rate. So that's been one of my biggest and favorite things that I've done. Second thing, this year I'm dropping courses. I've been asked the same question a million times. And I was like, I know the answer to this, but it needs to be in a course. It's not a three minute video. It's not a four minute video. It's not an eight minute video on YouTube. It needs to be a course. It needs to be a program. People need to be able to have this in one place. So that's something I'm adding this year as well. The second thing I have is I have my social media video company, which is called Icon Media, which I brought about earlier. And that company is focused on building viral video, viral campaigns, and video strategy for influencers, authors, experts, and brands. So we apply everything that I'm sharing with you right now, and we design the video, everything from storyboarding, scripting, shooting, editing, and distribution. So we do the works for everyone. So we've worked with everyone from uh, Lewis House to Tom Bilyeu to Gabby Bernstein through to everyone at Hay House Publishing, The Medical Medium, all of these great people, if you see any of their videos that have over a million views, we're probably involved in some way. So that's where we're coming in and really stepping in into this space and providing as a service. The third thing I've done is I have a corporate coaching company. So I come from a corporate background. I have a lot of companies asking me for wellness programs in stress management, personal well-being, mindfulness, meditation. And I do a lot of online and offline programming for those organizations, bespoke training programs for those companies. And the fourth is of course views. Now every platform is allowing you to monetize views, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram's gonna get there shortly. So you now have that added benefit of being able to monetize views, branded sponsorship content. So for an influencer or a creator, the fun is always like, when's Gucci gonna sponsor me, right? Which is like the worst business plan <laughs> in the world. And the amount of influencers and creators literally ask me like, when are you gonna get this big brand to sponsor you? When are you gonna go after that? I'm like, I don't want that. Like that's, I'll tell you why. One thing is I want my feed to be clean. I want a feed that's serving my community, that's real, that's authentic, that's genuine. I'm grateful to have that. The second thing is those deals sound nice and they look good, 
but they literally are vanity deals, right? Like buying followers, it's like a vanity metric. Like I did a deal with X company and most people don't even make enough money from that. So for me, the views and the brand sponsorships do not go after that. If you're an influencer, you're an expert, you're a creator, figure out different ways. This year I've launched my podcast, we're the number one health podcast in the world right now, launched on Valentine's Day, uh, number five in all categories on iTunes. And on top of that, I'm currently signing my book deal. So I'm in between signing my book deal right now. So I'm off to New York tonight to meet with all the publishers out there to decide who I'm gonna go with. So there's multiple, there's like six revenue streams right there that I've just noted. There are multiple ways. Do not get addicted to the algorithm, the views and the brand sponsorship stuff. That's just vanity. It's a nice bonus if it works for you. But I see too many people just tied up in like, why don't I get more views so I can get an extra 10K this week? Don't get wrapped up in that. That's huge. And I'll share that from my personal experience too. Many of you guys know, you know, we've had a top 20 podcast since 2012 in our categories, never ran an ad. Yeah. Never had a sponsor. Uh, my Facebook pages, same thing. Our YouTube channel, same things. You're talking about hundreds of millions of views. I've never done a sponsorship or a partnership. My philosophy is in, very similar. One, I want to keep it clean. I, I, it's not for everybody, but for me, when I'm listening to podcasts and they're talking about, well, go look at my, you know, here's my underwear sponsor or my mattress sponsor. That's just not my jam. That's theirs. That's their business model. But there are more ways to do it. So for those of you who want to know some of that stuff, uh, tomorrow, 10 a.m., I have the uh, session in the San Diego Ballroom, which is called How Are Influencers Making $10 Million a Year and More? Like, what's that business model? Because many of you guys know I've been doing that for a decade. So how do you achieve that without getting sponsors and stuff? The other thing about most people don't realize about a sponsor or an ad, and those are cool for some people, but that's another boss for you. And so for the entrepreneurial minded in the room, the more sponsors and ads I need to run, the more bosses I got, I'd rather bring them into my world, get that transformation. I know Jay shares that same philosophy and I wanted you to hear us both echo that because there are choices for you way beyond that. Um, I know when you were sharing all the things that you do for some of the solopreneurs or those just starting out here, that stressed the heck out of them. But they asked me, like, tell us about your team to be able to pull all this off. Team from the beginning, when the first videos kind of hit, to now as your more mature business. Yeah, so when I started, I was at Accenture. I would finish work, at, as Brendan knows, we, we, both, both, yeah. we both share this. We both worked at Accenture at different times in our lives. But I would finish work at 8, 9 p.m. And then I would go home and edit. So it used to take me five hours, five days a week to edit one five-minute video. So I suspect 25 hours a week. That's bad editing time, by the way. Like if anyone takes that much time, you should fire them. Do not pay them a penny. But oh, I was, was doing me, it myself. Though. Yeah, I was doing it myself because I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know how to shoot. So I, used to, I got my friend who had a great camera to come out with me one day. We shot eight videos. I carried around eight t-shirts, right? Messed my hair up a bit in each video, make it look a bit different. I'm joking. Uh, put on different t-shirts. We shot because I only had one day with him and I couldn't afford to pay him. So I begged him. I was like, come out with me for six hours and we'll just make videos. We went out for six hours, I'd prepped, we shot all the videos, and then I was editing them every single week. I was uploading them, I was going to work every day, and I was coming back home and then doing it in the evening, 9 a.m. to like, two, 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. I was editing every night. That lasted for about six months, right? That lasted for about six months, which is when I had my first growth spurt, when I had my first spike. And at that time, I started making content for HuffPost, and so my team became a HuffPost team and I started creating content for them. Then when I went totally independent again in 2017 March and started building my own channels, at that time it was just me and one videographer and editor. So I now hired one person who would video and edit every video I made. 
to find them well, find someone who's a freelancer but has company experience. That's the balance mm. you want. Someone who's a freelancer but has company experience. I'll tell you why. The company experience gives them professionalism, gives it reliability and consistent. They can deliver on time, right? If someone's worked for a company, they have that, right? You got to give them that. But you want someone who's a freelancer because the best people work freelance. And you may even end up working with them like that for a while. And when you can bring them on, on full time, that's the best decision. But that's a good place to start. And then you don't, own, you don't have to like pay them a wage if you're only making one video a week. You don't want someone full time for that. So that's another thing. Now my team's grown rapidly. So my video team is I have three videographers who are all editors. I just added another person to the team. We're starting a new series on YouTube called Jay Shetty Inside the Mind. It's behind the scenes footage, events, etc., like this. So Dan's just showing the team. So we have four videographers who are also editors who make one video a week each, right? On top of a bunch of other stuff. I have one person who manages scheduling across all platforms. And then I comment and manage the platform I want to grow the most. So I'm fully present on Instagram because that's the, con that's the platform I'm trying to grow the most. So it's me, I'm totally there. It's all me in comments, but I'm there even more. I'm there present, I'm replying to DMs because I'm right there. So that's how it's grown. We started with me, then we had one person. Now we have a team of eight people, but I've been adding because I want to stay creative. That's where I get my growth. Like that's where I feel my yeah, fulfillment from is like when I have to sit with someone's pain and figure out how to help them through it, that's where I get my joy. That's where I get my meaning from. And so I've tried to remove all logistical. And this is a massive tip. Like if you didn't take away any of that, you have to take away this tip. It's huge. I read an incredible study that says you can't be creative and logical at the same time. You can't be creative and logical at the same time in the same hour on the same day. So I spend nine days a month creating my content and I spend three weeks a month networking, business meeting, strategy, etc., connecting, relating with people. I spend nine months, I go all deep. When I'm creating content, I go fully deep dive into it so that it's truly creative. It's really from an artist's voice, which is who I truly believe I am. And then the rest of the month, I can do everything else. Too many of us are trying to make a weekly video and we're stressing ourselves going, oh my God, I gotta think of a topic today. How many times have you been in that position? Oh my God, a video's gotta go out today. I, I haven't thought of anything. It's gotta go out tomorrow. Don't do that to yourself. Take five days, record all your videos in five days. And by the way, I'm making three videos a week. So I've got to make 12 videos. If you're making one video a week, all you have to do is take out one day a month and do all your videos for the month, right? Make it simple for yourself. Your brain, when you're trying to go from being creative to being logical, which is needed for business, you're trying to run from one side of your brain to the other side of the brain. It's like trying to get from one side of LA to the other side of LA, right? <laughs> it's impossible at peak traffic time. So your creativity drops and your productivity drops, both drop, and then you're not very creative or productive. So really simplify your lives, make creativity fun, make it playful, make it easy. That's when you're gonna have fun and that's when the audience is gonna feel it. But if you're making content under pressure, under stress, how is anyone gonna enjoy and appreciate that? I feel yeah. the same way. You gotta block those times where that's, the creativity is, is blocked for you to do that. I don't do calls or business before 1 p.m. Yes. And it's like, how do you get away with that? I was like, I built into that. I wanted to have that freedom because we put out so much content every day. It was like, if I didn't have that, I'd always be trying to cram it in. And many of you guys know, if you're trying to cram in your content, that's when it stops being fun. Yes. That's when it stops. Like, that's when you won't be doing it. If you already feel it in this room as we're talking to you right now, if you already feel like I'm trying to cram it in, you are doing it wrong 
And you got to own that and you got to make an adjustment to reclaiming your life agenda, reclaiming your work agenda to get that back, to build in the creativity and the joy as part of the process. Otherwise you'll burn out, right? Don't be that. You have that choice and that power I think is really important. As you've gotten so many more choices, so much more power, what is it that you would love to share with this audience about what they can go do to go make a greater difference in the world inspired by some of the things you've done? Yeah, the number one thing I'd say is start with that intention. Get that intention right of why you're doing what you're doing. It seems simple. You've probably heard it a million times, but I have to say it because I truly believe that that's where everything begins. Like everything starts there and that's gonna stay with you forever. My intentions barely changed from when I started because it holds true to why I'm doing this. It's, it keeps me going when views don't go my way. It keeps me going when the monetization doesn't hit. It keeps me going when I'm failing. It keeps me going when someone thinks my video sucks. Like what keeps me going is the intention, right? That's why I'm doing it. It's what motivates me. It's what I turn to all the time. So for me, that's the root of everything. And I would really encourage you to go away and genuinely focus in on that. The second thing I'd say to you is don't get lost in imitating creation. Don't get lost in copying someone's style, copying someone's tone. I see it too often. I see it all the time. And I don't mind if someone copies me. I see it as a compliment. It's awesome. But what I'm saying is I don't think it's good for you. Like I want you to differentiate yourself because I believe there is an audience for everyone in this room. There's an audience for anyone who believes they've truly understood people's pain. And that's where it starts. You have an audience if you've sat with someone's pain if you've truly understood it, if you've truly dived deep into it, if you know how to help that person out, then you have an audience. And so if you're willing to take that time, you have an audience. And the third and final thing I'd say is really when, when you're already growing, and I know many other people in this room, you're already successful, right? You're already killing it. You're already going all this stuff, right, that I've said, and I've just figured out lately, you're like, yeah, I know this, I'm doing it. And I love you for that. And I'm so, it's amazing. And I'm grateful to be speaking to you. And I'm honored to be sitting here with you. Go serve people with it, please. Like use it to go and serve. It will make you so happy. It will change your life. It will change the life of your children. It will create this incredible cascading effect that the world needs right now where people are going above and beyond just taking care of them and their family when you can, right? When you can do that, if you're already there, do it. If you're not there, still do it. But if you're dead, then definitely do it. Go ahead, serve, go beyond. Go see how you can make a difference in the world. There's so much to do and you're gonna find yourself. And I speak to millionaires and billionaires all the time that I personally coach or we coach through my company and they all say this to me, that when they've exited their big business, they've got to that stage, that's the layer they're missing, that service and that purpose. That's what they're missing. No matter how much money they have in the bank, how many followers they have, that's what they're missing. So why do you wanna spend your whole life figuring out what you're missing when you can start doing it right now. That's what I'd say. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. Today's episode was taken from the Unplugged stage at Traffic and Conversion Summit 2019. And a big thanks out to Jay Shetty, who's on the On Purpose podcast, and Brendan Bouchard, who's on The Brendan Show. So you can hear more from them there. And also go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast for more information and all kinds of cool resources. So we'll see you next week. Thanks.
John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong but you can't quite put your finger on what, go to tier11.com forward slash apply, that's tier11.com forward slash apply, and we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.